Kristen, and uh, I live in a van. <laughs> Perfect. You'll hear this story, and you'll also be gaining knowledge when you listen to it on how to do these things. I realized that, like, my concern was really just what people were going to think of my decision. And, oh my God, she's crazy. What is she doing? She's not, you know, she's supposed to be pursuing a career. This is when she's supposed to be finding a job. And I, that doesn't appeal to me. That never appealed to me. Play a major role in spreading the love and the joy and uh, reducing our imprint, you know, for, for future generations and for all that we share this planet with. I was just embarrassed. I felt like I couldn't do it, like I'd already failed. I had no idea what I was doing. What did I get myself into? What was I thinking? Our history of humanity really revolves around great people. And that's, that's all we know about. And why is that? It's because the insignificant people weren't important enough that somebody would take the time to document their life. Hello everyone, my name is Kaylin Otto and you are listening to The Unruly Podcast. I am so pumped to have you here and I was just thinking about it before recording this intro but there's so much media out there these days between other podcasts and TV shows and movies. Like, there's so much that you could be listening to or watching right now. So, thank you so much for listening to this podcast episode. Like, it, it really means the world to me. So, thank you so much for being here. Now, before we get into the interview today, I want to just give you a couple of notes. First of them being that I met today's guest at Queers in the Country, which you'll hear us reference a couple times. And it was this incredible uh, queer van life meetup that happened in Kentucky for the first time. And I wrote an article about it, of course, and put together a really fun reel with some cool drone footage. And I've taken the liberty of putting those links in the show notes so that you can have a little bit of background information. You can pause this and go check those out now, or you can always circle around back to them later. I also wanted to let you know that today's guest is the first in a mini-series of this podcast where for Pride coming up, I'm only going to be interviewing queer travelers, and I have quite a few in the queue that live in their vans, you know, they're full-time nomadic, or live in an RV. So there's some really awesome episodes coming up, so I hope that you come back to listen to those. And in addition to that, just to celebrate queerness in general, I'm going to be making a special episode that is a meditation and it's created specifically for queer folks and it's going to be a free resource that you can always come back to, so keep your eyes peeled for that. I know that that's going to be a really special recording because I'm going to set up my altar and get in my meditation space and then record this episode as a gift to you. So keep checking back. We're going to have some great guests coming up. And lastly, if you are enjoying this show, you see value in it, you learn something, you laugh, you cry every time you listen, please send your favorite episodes to your friends. And a free way that you can support me is by leaving a comment and a review about the podcast wherever you listen. I appreciate you. Let's get into it. Hello, 
everyone. Okay. Welcome to the podcast. I'm here with Kristen from Where the Road Forks. And uh, we met at Queers in the Country, although I didn't have a lot of time to sit down and talk to you because there was so many exciting things going on. Um, so I'm really glad that you are willing to come on the podcast today. I'm excited to talk to you about queerness, van life, and I think people on this podcast are going to be surprised, like financial literacy also, because I'm such like a scrappy, let's do this with no money, and instead of learning how to work with money, let's just like bypass this all. So I think that will be interesting for folks on here. Um, but can you just give us a little intro to yourself, you know, where you're at, what you're doing in your life? Yeah, sure. Thanks so much for having me. I was super excited to talk about this, and I do wish we would have had more time to talk at Queers in the Country, but it was a lot going on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, um, so my name's Kristen, and I have been living on the road solo now in my camper van with my two dogs, Kashi and Bear. We've been on the road for about three years, um, and we do that full-time Although Indianapolis is my home base, I do have a home here in Indianapolis, which is where I'm currently located, um, kind of coming home to do some spring cleaning, summer chores types of things. I uh, Airbnb my house when I'm away, so it's kind of nice to have a home base, but I definitely prefer the road as my home mm -hmm. right now. Um, Let's see. So I'm a full-time content creator now. I used to work in the finance industry. So for 10 years, I was an auditor. Um, and back in February of this year, I left my corporate life, my corporate work. And now I'm just kind of, yeah, trying to get by with, <laughs> with just some freedom to be creative and just exist. Like, I, I think so many people... Um, let me try not to go on a rant too fast Please too do. soon. This, <laughs> is, this is a perfect place for those rants. We want it all. I think people get too caught up in like the corporate career path or whatever that might be of like, well, when I retire, I will mm -hmm. do X, Y, Z. And I'm like, well, I would rather enjoy my life when I'm younger and more capable and maybe not have as much money now and have to work a little bit later in life than to retire and not be able to go and hike a mountain or go and paddleboard out into the middle of the ocean. Like, so, um, I'm okay with less is more financially right now for me. And I'm okay with that. <laughs> yeah. I love that you brought that up because I totally feel the same way too. I don't want to be someone who's like, I'll worry about it when I get there. And then when I get there, I'm like, what am I doing? But you're right. At the same time, like, why, why wait, you know? So yeah. I think that's so beautiful. Um, and before we get into that more, because I'd love to talk about that topic more, I always have a starter question for people just to break okay. the ice. So this, this qu answer might be very, like, you might, it might be very obvious from the type of van you have, but maybe not. My question for you is, if you were a van... What would the model be called, like if you had to make up a name, or what type of van would you be that already exists? So I don't know if it's like the van you already have, if that's your dream, like if you resonate with that, or... <laughs> I mean, shoot, my dream van, if no money was ever like involved, would be like a Mercedes four-wheel drive that had uh, like <laughs> unlimited maintenance on it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what a dream. 
Um, okay, I guess if I had to, like, name a van, like, if I had my own van that had, like, a Ford Transit, if I had to name something, I guess I'd call it Freebird. Yeah. Which is, I know one who has the name of their van is that name, so I feel like I'm stealing that. <laughs> but... I mean, I don't know. I just feel like that would be a great name for a camper van. Yes. Because you're just free. Yes. That would make me want to buy that. Freebird. Like, right? that's what everyone wants to be. Yeah, exactly. Just go wherever you want. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I love that. Thank you for playing along. Um, yes. I like to start, you know, with people's childhood sometimes because although I know, like, childhoods can hold a lot of trauma and there's a lot that goes into it. Um, I think a lot of the guests I have on, like yourself, are really interesting and, like, you know, like, thriving and creating this, like, colorful life. So I really want to show, you know, how people kind of come out of their childhood and maybe transform in a different way. But I want to know if there's any influences from your childhood that moved you into the van life and also keeping, like, that queer uh, messaging in here, too, like... How were you raised? How did you grow up? And how were you taught to look at queer folks? Yeah, um, interesting to say, like, what what influenced me from my childhood to do van life. I mean, I definitely grew up, I grew up in a neighborhood, but it was not like the cookie cutter type of neighborhoods we see today. So it was very much like me and the neighborhood kids were running around barefoot, playing tag and soccer and um hide-and-seek all hours of the day. Mm -hmm. So I definitely feel like I've always been kind of like an outdoorsy for fun type of person. Like, if you if you give me gardening tasks, it's not going to happen. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but if it's, if it's to have fun, like, I want to be out. I want to um, be grounding with my, you know, with not wearing shoes and mm -hmm. touching the earth. Like, I'm very much that type of person. So I think that that kind of evolved into being an adult where I kind of found myself wanting to get back to my inner child mm -hmm. and be in the outdoors. Um, as far as my journey to queerness whew, as a child, uh, I mean, definitely has been a journey. I only came out a year ago. Mm -hmm. um, so I had, I'm very much a baby gay. Mm -hmm. And uh, I... I remember around, like, 16 is when I really started to, like, acknowledge something there. Mm -hmm. um, but the homophobia and the religion, um, the organized religion aspect of my life was so deep-rooted that it took me a long time. And I actually had a friend in high school who used to always joke to me. It was, like, the only lesbian in my entire school, and she'd always come up to me and say, when you come out someday, Kristen, come tell me. Oh, my God. Like, <laughs> You're so silly. <laughs> the she last year after I came out, I sent her a message, and she was like, I knew it. <laughs> she saw you. Yeah, so crazy. Um, so, yeah, I mean, my family's not accepting of it. Um, definitely from a very conservative background, and I think – I think over the years, I've been um, projecting very, like, liberal views to specifically my parents. Um, my siblings aren't so much this way. But um, to my parents, I've been projecting very liberal viewpoints to try to almost 
warm them up. Like, I'm a, maybe if I go really hard with other topics that I still feel very passionately about. Yeah. But it'll make the blow softer later. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that was ever the case. And I actually feel like my parents knew to some extent because I very vividly remember maybe I was like 24. I remember my dad making the comment, well, I would rather you date a black man than be gay. Because I dated interracially, and they weren't okay with that either. Yeah. And so that was somehow his statement to show how much, like, he didn't want me to be gay, I guess. Yeah. I just vividly remember that comment, and it will always stick in my head. And it definitely scared me for a long time. So at 31 years old, I came out. It took me a really freaking long time. So, um my journey to queerness was not a fun one, yeah. to say the least. <laughs> Especially with comments like that, you know, that just creates this feeling of, like, it's someone thinks it's so bad. You know, the view's already twisted, and then to take it even further is, like... Yeah, exactly. Terrifying. Yeah, it was... Yeah, I remember dropping little hints of, like, oh, like, my gay friends are doing this today. Like, Dad, my gay friend's going to come over, so this is how you need to, like interact with them and like things like that to I don't know train them <laughs> or yeah. see how they would react way but it definitely still didn't prep them for when I came out so yeah how do you think that people or how did you feel like not coming out till I don't even want to say later in life because you know like in your 30s is not even late in life you know looking at the whole scheme of things but did that like almost make you a little more afraid or how did that yeah. kind of impact that experience? So what's funny is my mom accuses social media of having an, um, influencing me to be gay. <laughs> um, which I, I was trying to explain to her, I was not influenced to be gay. I was born this way. However, I was very much influenced to come out seeing one of my friends refers to me as a COVID gay because, you know, a bunch of people got on TikTok and then the TikTok algorithm starts showing you, you know, like, this is way too specific. Yeah. And I started so much queer content and I'm just like, yeah, I'm an ally. Um, <laughs> such a good ally. Um, I mean, I knew deep down. Um, but over time, starting to see more women um, that looked like me, you know, a little bit more femme presenting. Mm-hmm had always dated men, maybe they were um, married previously or whatnot, but, and maybe they even have kids, but still coming out mm-hmm. in their 30s was like, okay, wow, like, it's okay to do this. Because a part of me really felt like I missed my shot. Like, I missed yeah. my chance to come out. There's a, a good time. Yeah. Oh. Um, so I, I do think that TikTok really helped me feel more confident. And even when I came out, I was very much like, yeah, like, I don't really know what this means for me. All I'm saying is that, like, my sexuality is not so black and white. And maybe that's the beauty of the rainbow. Mm-hmm. And cause I was like, I still just don't know. And it took me probably eight months after coming out for me to almost come out again and realize, like, I'm a lesbian. Yeah. I am no interest in men moving forward whatsoever, cis men. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> no thanks. 
Um, the the next thing I wanted to ask you about before we talk about like how these interlink is how specifically you moved into a van and got into the van life. Like, what was that driver and what did that process look like? Because I know that we have quite a few people who listen to this podcast and all the adventures and they're like, I want to do that. So I hope that this is a good free resource for them to show them how to actually begin these things. Yeah, absolutely. And I have an additional free resource. If if somebody is working a corporate job and they are um, hoping to be able to transition their job to remote work, mm-hmm. um, I actually have an online template on my website. Uh, it's a working remote template and it's something that I created and presented to my manager when I was considering van life to convince her to let me work remote because my job was entirely online. Even though I was physically in the office, nothing tied me to the office. So I was like, why am I here? What is the purpose of physically being in this location? Now I think post COVID these conversations are a lot easier because people have the evidence of, I just did two years working remote. Why can't I continue this? Like it's very much more of an accepted um, practice now, Mm -hmm. but let me rewind to kind of answer your question. So maybe five years ago now, um, I was talking to my friend about, you know, like, I just wish I could travel all the time. Like I only had three weeks of PTO a year. And if you combine that with weekends, plus like maybe a few holidays, I was able to kind of stretch it out to a month. Mm -hmm. Um, and so one month a year I was backpacking the country or the world and I just have such this desire to travel. They call it like, I think in German, um, terms, it's Fernwa, this longing, like almost the opposite of homesickness. It's like the sickness to be constantly traveling. And I just had that burning desire to always travel, but I had two dogs. And so there was this, this thought of, well, I have a house. I had at 24 years old, I bought my first home. And so I was like, I have this house. I could sell it and for the next few years live off of that money and backpack the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I had my dogs and didn't want to abandon them. I would never leave them with anyone, not family, but even that just didn't feel like a, a truly a good option. Mm-hmm. So I, I was venting to a friend and, and she was like, well, you should, you should see what, what this girl in high school with is doing. And it was, um, Sydney from Divine on the Road, we went, we're both from Indianapolis area, and my friend showed me a photo of her and her boyfriend at the time, and they're in this van, and I was like, what, that's so crazy, like, I could never live in a van, Um, and then it was like a thought that I just couldn't get out of my head, and I kept thinking about it, it kept just stewing in my mind, and I, the I could never do that turned into, I I mean, that's kind of a cool idea. Like I could see how that could be like cool to be able to like go around the country and travel and then slowly evolve to, Oh, I I think I could actually do that to, I'm going to sell my house. (laughs) So, um, in the midst of that, I had met, I was in Malibu on a trip. Had got like a cheap flight out to Malibu, did a long weekend. And, I was on El Matador Beach, and this guy pulls up to me. I'll never forget him. He was a 
black man with really long locks, almost down to his waist, and he was in a, I think it was a green, maybe like Promaster or Mercedes, I don't remember, at that time I didn't know the difference between, you know, types of vans, so, but I remember he pulled up, and I walked over to him, and I was like, you're living my dream life, I want to do that someday, and me and my friend had rented a Mercedes, like, convertible to drive, and he was like, well, all you got to do is sell that. And I was like, well, I don't own that. And he said, okay, well, the, the idea still applies. You need to be willing to give up everything to gain everything. And so I went and sat on the beach, and I just stared at the ocean, watched the sunset, and I remember, I remember that's where I made the decision I'm going to sell my house. And, like, best decision I ever made. So, um, made that decision. A few months later, purchased my van. Mm-hmm. I came back from a trip from, like, Bali and purchased my van. Uh, seven months later, I sold my house. Mm-hmm. And then another six months later, uh, the van was finally completed and I hit the road. And so, really, from the start of this idea being planted in my head to hitting the road. It was about a two year process. Mm. So I think a lot of people, when they get these, this, they see the van life and they, they want to do it. They might get discouraged on, well, it's not, I can't do this tomorrow, but you might not be able to do it tomorrow. That doesn't mean you're not supposed to do it. If you want it bad enough, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. There's things that definitely are legitimate reasons to hold people back. Um, but if it, if you're in your own head with fear and letting that hold you back, you know, just don't let yourself hold, don't allow yourself to be held back by the thought process of this will take too long because if you want it bad enough, go go for it. Right. And then once you're in there, you're in there. I feel like there's so (laughs) many things, you know, the process to getting there takes a while, but once you're there, you're just there and you can look back and be like, I'm so glad I took those two years to get this all set up because now for the rest of my life or for the next 10 years, I'm good to go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was the best decision I ever made. Um, the only, not regret that I have, it's not a regret because I don't regret ever jumping into this life. I will say during COVID days, I took a, I took a peek at what my house value was <laughs> at the height of like the market boom. And it was like, uh, I, it was almost like $80,000 more than what I sold it for. And I was like, Oh gosh, oh, that hurts. Gosh. <laughs> that hurt. Um, yes. but as I said earlier, money is not everything and experiences are so much more valuable than money. But that was like the only time that I was like, should have waited another yeah. year. <laughs> yeah. That's the, when you like peek at those things, you know, you're going to maybe be disappointed and you're like, Wishing you could maybe unsee that. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing about that because, yeah, I, I want people to know, like, what the experience can actually be like and how long it can actually take. Yeah. Um, but now sure. that you are in your van and you're on the road and you're doing all this stuff, I want to talk about, you know, the intersections of being a lesbian and being in a van. Um how do you think that it's changed, not how do you think, how has it changed your van life experience? So, <clears throat> I wouldn't say that it has 
well, it has changed a lot and it hasn't at the same yeah. time. I feel like my community has changed in a more, like, deep way. I feel like the connections that I make with queer folks, there's just, like, like being at Queers in the Country, there's just, like, this unspoken bond that ties you together that's just, like, there's somewhat of that bond when you just meet a fellow traveler, fellow van lifer, especially, like, um, you know, other solo women that might be on the road, like, you know, you kind of connect with them in that way, but it was just a different sort of connection, like, mm -hmm. being able to connect with other queer folks there at Queers in the Country, that it was just deeper, it was an unspoken thing, and maybe that's because, for me, which I'm sure a lot of queer people have this experience, but coming out in the past year, I've lost a lot of people in my life, and so mm -hmm. um, not having to explain myself just being able to be was so nice. Not having to get the, like, you don't look gay. Um, Gosh. <laughs> things. So, um, in that aspect, I think that, that I've been able to make deeper connections. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> On the other hand, I am very much a white, straight-passing person. So, mm -hmm. um, I do hold a lot of privilege with that to where... And if I am not actively trying to show my queerness, whatever showing your queerness looks like, like maybe my rainbow wristband, yeah. um, <laughs> then I can easily hide mm -hmm. in spaces. But, so in that sense, I don't feel like it has changed. But there have been spaces where the thought has crossed my mind, oh, if, if I were traveling with a partner, mm -hmm. this place may not feel safe to me. And since coming out has been the first time that I, in my life, um, because I do hold so much privilege going through life, that I've really had to to think, like, oh, I may not be safe here. Yes, as a, as a woman, there's definitely places that I have, you know, yeah. just men, you know, not feeling safe. Yeah. For sure. But it's different. It's, it's a different sort of fear. Um, and... I remember the first time that happened was in Georgia and I was just traveling with my friend Maddie, um, who is also queer. And I don't think we looked like we were together or anything like that, but it just crossed my mind. If someone perceives us that way, mm -hmm. this could be safe. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's an interesting new, new thing to think through, I guess. Yeah, that's something that other, I mean, if if you're, like, especially a white male on the road, you know, white, straight, cis male, these are things that you're probably never, ever going to have to think about. Yeah. And I feel like for representation in van life, it's a lot of, like, white, you know, straight, cis couples. And so yeah. I don't think that this is at least, you know, obviously my feed is more diverse now, but for the... For the person who's maybe not queer, just getting into van life, I think that that is what they're going to see, and that's the experience that they're gonna carry and like make the norm, you know, in their head. So yeah, yeah. So thank you for sharing that. Um, do you have any tips for folks, like even for lesbians specifically, but also for queer folks for connecting with other queer folks on the road, like if they're traveling but they're like, I really need an in-person community right now. Where would you go? What would you do? I really use social media the most. 
So I try and just keep, like, check in on where people are. And a lot of people do put at least the state that they're in Mm -hmm. in their bio, which I find super helpful. But there's apps like Seeker. Um, You can actually see, like, who's nearby you. Now, that probably isn't, I mean, well, it's definitely, it doesn't tell you anything about the person other than their their name and a small photo of them. Yeah. Um, But it does who's nearby. Um, But I have found the best success just simply through Instagram, although I will say that I, again, I think I have a bit of a privilege in the fact that I have somewhat of an audience on my Instagram, and so people are more trusting of me if I reach out to them, and vice versa. I know that I'm guilty of being less trusting of people that might only have a few hundred followers because I'm like, are you a real person Yeah, type of thing. So I know that I have some sense of like privilege in that of being able to connect more easily with people through social media. Um, cause I have, I have heard from some of my other friends who are like, it's really hard for me to like Instagram doesn't really work for me. Yeah. So I just want to like put that caveat out there. Um, but seeker, the seeker app also holds like, um, within the app, there's like, it'll show all of the nomadic type of events for the year. Mm-hmm. So that's one way to see like what events are going on. And I think events are kind of the best way to meet people. I will also give a caveat of, I've not always felt that these events are the most inclusive spaces because the forefront thought of van life is cis straight couples. Yeah. Um, so, white, straight cis couples, um, so that's a lot of what you do see at these van life meetups, which is why I thought Queers in the Country was so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, following accounts like Van Life Pride, Diversify Van Life, um, I do feel like they do a good job of showcasing other types of people who might not have a huge following, um, so I tend to follow them and try and connect with them mm-hmm. as well. Um, so I think that that's a good way to connect with people, like, too, using Instagram. Um, it can be hard to meet. I recently, when I'm more stationary, started using Bumble BFF, and I specifically mm-hmm. put, like, looking to meet, like, queer people. Uh, I feel like that kind of helps, like, speed up the process of, or just even asking the awkward question of, like, are you queer? Yeah. <laughs> Just kind of like fishing around. Yeah, because it's awkward because it's like, you don't want to be like, oh, I don't want to be friends with you if you're not queer. But if you're specifically seeking queer friendship, like for me, when I came back to Indianapolis and a lot of my friendships I don't really have here anymore, I specifically put, you know, like looking for queer friends because I want to build that community here in my hometown because I don't don't have it here. Um, So I've made a few questions so far, which has been fun. Um, but I think that, yeah, utilizing Bumble BFF can be a good way to do that, too. Okay, thank you. That's that's great. And I also really like the um, the Van Life Pride and Diversify Van Life because I also see them posting events, you know, um, you know, for specific groups of people. And you can really, like, get more specific and niche with those accounts. And then that's yeah. why I feel like Queers in the Country, you can make such deep bonds and follow up with those people, you know. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. So thank you for that. 
Two more questions yeah. when it comes to this intersection before we go into finances. Um, mm -hmm. This is the age-old question. I even feel like boring to ask it, but I saw that you did this video on it the other day. Um, for people specifically, females in a van, or just people who don't feel safe, what safety tips do you have? You know, whether it's like having something on you like mace or you found something else that helps you feel safe. For sure. Um, so kind of what you referred to, I do have a video that I just posted with several different tools that you can use. There's pepper spray, a tire claw, um, uh, just a, simply a kitchen knife. Um, so I do use like certain tools. As far as other tips that I can give that might make you feel safe without feeling like you need to um, be ready to defend yourself. Mm -hmm. um, something that I did in my first year of van life is my ex um, was military and right before his deployment he gave me his parks pass. So something that I have continued to do is in spaces where I feel unsafe, I actually hang that pass. And I know that this may be kind of controversial to some, but I feel like as an, if I were to see a military parks pass, I'm probably, one, going to respect, instantly have, like, more respect for that person, vehicle, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. Be like, oh, they're military. Mm -hmm. But also with being military, there comes in this sense of, like, they know how to protect themselves. Yeah. So if you know anybody who's military, maybe ask if they have an old parks pass or something that you might be able to take um, and hang, not to actually use as a parks pass, but to kind of just use in those spaces where maybe you don't feel quite so comfortable. Yeah. Um, putting little stickers on your windows that say, like, security system, smile, you're on camera. Even if you don't have those mm -hmm. um, in place, I think still it makes people think twice before coming to your van. There's actually, even on Amazon, like fake uh, cameras that you can buy that, uh -huh. that have little LED red light. They don't actually record, but you could definitely stick them on the outside of your van. And, um, you know, it looks like a camera. I have motion-censored floodlights on either side of my van so if someone walks up they're instantly going to be under light which I feel like is also a deterrent at night um I have given a lot of close people in my life my location on my phone at all times um if I'm going to be off grid I check in with them and let them know here's the location that I intend to head to or roughly this area Here's how many days I intend to be off grid. Um, I won't have cell. I might not have cell signal. Sometimes you don't always know. Right. Um, and I think that that's just kind of a good like way to have somebody looking over you in a sense. Um, yeah, and I did actually install a security system. I, I did a simply safe system uh, last year because when I in was it last year? Oh, all my years are going together. Yeah, last year. In 2021, I went to Mexico to Baja, and I did have a break-in. Now, I, I want to be sure to clarify, I had my break-in the first week that I was in Baja, and I spent two months in Baja. Mm -hmm. So, I did not let it stop me, and Baja was amazing and beautiful, and the people were fantastic. So, 
So I, I say that so people don't judge the entire country based off of my one experience. Right. Um, but I did have a break-in, and so when I came home and I was no longer traveling in a group or came home, came back into the U.S., um, I, I got a lot of PTSD, really. I was really scared for a while, and just getting the security system helped me feel safe. Um, just having, you know, knowing that if the door is open, it's going to sound as an alarm or that I have a panic button. It just gave me a sense of peace. So the simply safe system can run to about $500. So they can get a little bit pricey, especially if you kind of go all out. Um, um, but they're really good to use. Thank you. Those are so many things that I, I wouldn't have thought of. I think too, um, because I do like a lot of backpacking and when I lived in my van, I was just on one property, you know, and I felt really safe. I haven't had to think through these resources. So those are amazing. Thank you. Thank yeah, you you're welcome. so much for those. My last question for you about, you know, actually living in the van and maybe this is a hard question to answer and you kind of already spoke to it, but I just want to know like what gives you the most joy about that. I know you talked about, which I totally resonate with and I hadn't thought about before that feeling of like reverse homesickness, like that urge to always wanting to be traveling. But could you narrow that down a little bit more? Like what is just like that pure joy that you get from being a van that in a van that you don't get from just being at home in a conventional house? Yeah, totally. So, um, I, as I mentioned earlier, I did, I did grow up religious and I don't consider myself religious necessarily anymore, but I do, I do connect with God. And even still, um, there is a scripture that has always like resonated with me that says, therefore I will allure her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. And it's like probably the only scripture that I like connect with nowadays. It sounds very witchy. I like it. It's so funny when I talk to witches about like my faith, they're like, you sound like a witch. Yeah, that's, I'm like, um, hello? <laughs> Call me in two years when you realize you're a witch. Okay. But I did feel like on top of wanting to travel, I felt this calling into the wilderness. So I'm pointing to this, but you can't see this. On my arm, I have like a half sleeve that is all wildflowers. And then I actually have a compass on it um, because I really felt like I was being called into the wilderness. And I felt like on top of wanting to travel, I just felt this desire to be pulled into the wild, into a, a place where I could be like at peace. Like to me, I think a lot of people, when they hear the wilderness, they think like, um, I don't know, maybe, but they think, like, hard times, like, like, desert, not a lot of resources, things like that, but for me, the wilderness was, like, lush, and peace, and green, and life, and I felt like that's where I was going to find my peace, and find my connection to spirit, Mm -hmm. and, and God, and, um, it turned out to look differently than what I thought it was going to be, but I knew that going on this adventure was what I was supposed to do, and it was how I was going to find myself, and when I hit the road, I was still very religious, and I was like, oh, this sense of adventure is going to be my way to bring people to God, 
<laughs> and um, and maybe maybe you know I am able to connect with people in a way um, to talk about God, but my my God looks different than it used to. Yeah. Now, like my faith is way different than it was when I first hit the road, and I think that that's the beauty of my journey through the wilderness is that it has opened my eyes in a way to see things in a in a different light and to see that there's a lot of beliefs out there that are way more intertwined mm-hmm. um, than not. And even, even with sitting down with witches and having conversations, I'm like, wow, like we actually have like a lot of like similar thought processes yeah. on things. Um, yeah. <laughs> so it's been interesting that, that this journey of van life, has allowed me to kind of get more in tune with myself and the thing that I love about it is anytime I start to feel anxiety or stress I can take my van to the wilderness to a waterfall to an open pasture to a lake and I can just sit and be still and like find that peace in myself and just reset Mm -hmm. and I love that beauty of of the freedom of van life. So I think your question was like, what's my favorite part or like, why do I? Perfect. Perfect answer. (laughs) Perfect answer. Like, where do you find joy? And that is, that is the joy I think is like, that comes out of nature is reconnecting with that and being like, Oh yeah, we are nature. You know, we're not separate. We're just coming back to something that we've, we've always been a part of. And it's, it sounds to me, um, you know, cause I grew up, with, I don't know, like Christianity being the dominant culture and had to go to church and whatever. And now I definitely consider myself a witch because of that nature-based connection. And I know that Christianity, um, you know, hijacked a lot of like pagan and nature-based religions' own beliefs and thought processes. And so it is so interesting just to hear how they are intertwined and for people to be like, you know, when you get to that point and you're like, oh yeah, this is like, this all makes sense, you know, like the spirit, the God, whatever you want to call it. So I'm, I'm really glad that you shared about that part of your journey. Yeah. And I think that in case there's any, especially clear folks listening that do have religious trauma, I think there's this, like, we're raised to not question, to not guilt. And I think that's also why you see a, a lot of people who come out later in life are probably grew up in the church because I remember being told, well, it just is. Don't ask why. Yeah. It just is that, you know? And so I think a lot of people who deal with religious stuff, those stuck in this, don't ask, don't compare, don't, don't question. And when I set myself free from that bondage of, of that and realized it's healthy to question, it is healthy to explore and, um, that's why I say, like, my God is so much different. I'm still connected to him. Them. I actually prefer to say them because yeah. I believe that God is fearless. Um, but when I when I connect with God, it, it's not in the same way. I do feel like the way that, <laughs> I know it sounds so hippie, but the way that I walk through the grass and I feel the earth, and like, I'm getting emotional because I remember, like, walking through the whole rainforest and it was just like green everywhere and I was just like this is like the breath of life is just Mm -hmm. like 
bursting through here. Why I'm why am I emotional? <laughs> because it's I'm I'm tearing up over here. You're talking to the right person. Let me tell you. <laughs> I'm literally tearing up watching you talk about this. I think because it's so true though. Like you're touching on something that's so universal and it should not should, I don't want to say anything should, but it should be something that we're all able to experience outside of those bondages of religion. But I think so many people like that simple connection are, it's like, there's a door there, you know, and it's so powerful and so simple at the same time. I think that's probably why yeah. it like brings up all those yeah. emotions. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Beautiful. Oh, beautiful. Thank you for sharing about that. Um, <laughs> yes. So to move on, this is, feels like a terrible question after <laughs> after that beautiful like burst of an answer. <laughs> um, I would love to talk to you about finances. <laughs> yes, let's do it. Yes, because you mentioned you know your background in finances, and. Um, Again, for those listening to this, I'm always like, how to live with less money, how to barter, how to, you know, do moneyless exchanges and things like that. But obviously that doesn't always work for everyone. And some people already have debt. You know, they've already had credit cards for a long time. Um, and I also really appreciate because you did um, a, I kept wanting to say ceremony. You did like a talk at Queers in the yeah. Country about finances, but I really appreciated because it wasn't coming from this like straight male gaze of money, you know, because yeah. that's so much of what I think we hear sometimes. Um, mm -hmm. So I appreciate that it comes from this different view of someone who does live on the road um, and all these different things. So I wanted to ask you about credit cards. For someone getting their first credit card, and who doesn't know if it's the right thing to do, if they even need it, and they're nervous about it, but they want to travel, they want to use those points, and they want to build up their credit score. Are there specific cards that you recommend getting? How do you recommend interacting with those first-time credit cards? Yes. Okay. So for first-time credit card users who probably don't have much credit, um, you're going to have to start with like a very simple credit card that are, and, and there are credit cards out there that are specifically geared towards people wanting to build credit. Okay. So your very credit card, especially if you're a traveler, is probably not going to be a travel card. Unfortunately, those typically are marketed more towards very like um, well credit scores, like people who have very high credit scores, um, excellent credit. Mm -hmm. So you're talking like, Seven seven fifty plus. Most people who are starting with new credit are in the low six hundreds. Mm -hmm. um, so it definitely takes time to build up to that. With that being said, the very first step that I recommend to everybody is to open up a Credit Karma account. Credit Karma is a platform that does multiple things. One, it allows you to check your credit score daily, which is I I personally think it is important to have oversight of your credit score, at least on a weekly basis, because there's so much fraud that happens that just knowing if someone's tapping into your identity is huge. Mm -hmm. So Credit Karma gives you your credit score. It helps um, keep track of what credit is being opened under your social security number. So it definitely will alert you if there is any fraud that happens. 
at this point, anytime I open up a new line of credit anywhere, whether that's a credit card, mortgage, car loan, I get like 10 notifications. Like wow. I'm, I'm so well covered on, on so many different platforms. If someone even attempted to steal my identity at this point, like good luck. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's not a challenge please don't. It kind of sounded like one. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But, like, I would know instantly. Um, So, that's, like, the first step is open up a Credit Karma account. It's completely free. There's nothing on that platform that charges anything. How that platform is ran is they make commission on if you, like, were to open, like, referral link commissions for credit cards. That platform makes money. So the cool thing, if you're looking for a credit card, once you're on the Credit Karma uh, website, you can click on credit cards, and it will show you what credit cards it recommends that you apply for based off of your credit score and based off of if if they think you will get um, you will get accepted, okay, um, approved for it. So it will give you like excellent odds, good odds, fair odds, or poor odds obviously shoot towards the one that say excellent if you're a first time and you don't have any credit um so you're looking at high 500s low 600s probably what you're going to look at is a discover it card the discover it is very much a basic um not a lot of rewards are going to be given but um it's just going to be a good way for you to build your credit so let me talk through a few things for new credit card owners to keep in mind there is a myth that says you need to hold a balance to build credit. That is a myth. You do not need to have any balance. You do not need to pay interest to build credit. Um, As a matter of fact, if you do not hold a balance and you never pay interest on a credit card, you will build your credit faster. So basically, when you are given a credit card, they will say, here, we're going to give you this credit card and you have access to up to $3,000. Mm-hmm. to spend now if you don't pay this off within your statement like by the due date of the statement we're going to charge you if you're a new credit card holder probably 28 percent interest so just to keep that into perspective on a hundred dollars they will charge you 28 dollars wow interest so keep that in mind this is why it is very important to pay off your balance immediately what I recommend is if you're a new time user, open up a credit card and, you know, buy your, buy the things that you, you have budgeted for the week. So maybe that's groceries and gas, mm-hmm. right? Um, and then at the end of the week, pay off the balance because it does take about three to five days for the, the items to clear. So you can't actually like immediately make a payment on it because it hasn't posted to the credit card yet. So as soon as those items post to the credit card, pay them off. So don't make purchases that you don't have for. That's going to be something that's really important for users. If you are not financially disciplined, don't make any purchases. And on top of that, if you feel like you are not financially disciplined at all, but you want to build credit, open up the credit card, receive the credit card, cut it up. Because even just having that line of credit open and never touching it is still going to help you build credit because 
the length of time of having a credit card. So my oldest card is a Discover card. It was the very first card I opened when I was 20. I was 20. And I still have it open. So it has 12 years Mm -hmm. um, of credit on it. And I have access to $10,000 on that credit card that I don't touch. And so what that shows is within the 12 years that I've had this card, I've never paid interest. I don't carry a balance on it. Mm-hmm. So it shows, it proves that I'm a responsible owner of that credit card. So that's just something to keep in mind. You don't need to be using the credit card in order to build credit. Just having the credit card open. So I'm going to touch on one more thing. For those who might be listening who do have credit and are interested in a credit card, a travel credit card, and this is going to be for people who have excellent credit. This is going to be my recommendation. I highly recommend the Venture Capital One card. Um, And if you are very much a traveler, the Venture Capital Capital sorry, Venture Capital One X card or Venture X card. There's like two versions. One, um, they're very similar. There's the Venture and the Venture Capital X. There we go. Um, So the Venture card does cost money to even own the card. So it's like $95 a year um, to own the card. The other one is $395. And this is why I say only for people who really use travel. Because the cool thing about the Venture X, the one that's $395 to have the card annually, they give you back immediately $300 of an airline credit. So if you're taking flights on an annual basis, really, the cards are the same price. Right. Because you will probably spend $300 on a flight very easily. Um, so that's why that's something to balance. Now, just something to keep in mind of why travel cards are amazing. At this point this year, I have made well over $3,500 back in rewards points. Just wow. by simply making my daily purchases. Uh, everything I buy is done using my credit cards and then I pay them off. So I never carry a statement balance. I never pay interest on my credit cards. Um, I always pay them off in full and I'm, I'm at an 800 credit score. Um, so that, that myth of needing to carry a balance isn't true. So again, if you have good credit, probably over a 750 and you want a really good travel card, I very much highly recommend the Capital One Venture X card. I can send you a referral link. Yes. That would be awesome. We will um, put that link in the show notes. So anyone who's listening, um, all these links, you know, if you have referral links to anything, we'll put them in the show notes so that people can go and use them. Awesome. Yeah, I can do that. Um, yeah, the, the other cool thing about that card is they pay for your global entry check, um, which is also, if you could do global entry, it also equates to a TSA pre-check, which is really helpful to get through the airport. Um, Let's see, what else do I get? I get like five times the points on, I think, five times the points on flights, ten times the points on hotels. So it really does add up quick, Mm -hmm. um, and it's just really helpful. The other cool thing, and this is the standout point for me for the the venture, the Capital One Venture cards, is most travel cards, the rewards points you use can only be used for future purchases, but the, the Capital One cards, you can backdate your rewards 
up to three months prior. So let's okay. say like 60 days ago, I took a flight and I didn't have enough rewards points at the time to cover the full balance of that flight. And now today I do have enough rewards points. I can go and pay off that charge that was done on that date. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. Wow. I didn't even know that you could do that with a card. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's so, so it's pretty cool. That. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. That's a lot of good information um, for folks who are thinking about getting credit cards. And the only yeah. other financial question that I have for you um, is because I'm sure we could go, I mean, there's so much. And I know that you yeah. have uh, resources on your website, so we're going to put those in the show notes too. I know that you had, that you showed at Queers in the Country, I, I think it's a free resource from your blog where people can start a budget just for their life. Mm -hmm. um, can you talk to us about why you started doing that and how that's helped you, especially like living in a van? Yeah, so um, I, I started providing a free budgeting template for um, people to use, anyone to use, and not just for travelers, but my thoughts on finances are that having control of your finances, so not necessarily having a million dollars, but having control over your finances is one of the best forms of protest in today's society. Um, not being controlled by corporate America and, you know, just, oh, I can go so deep into this, yeah. so I'm going to try and keep it simple. But <laughs> um, it is just so important to have control over your money so that others can't control you with money. Mm -hmm. um, and so I actually look at my budget on a daily basis. I budget for at least six months in advance. And I know that a lot of people, myself included, you might not know what money you're making in two months. Um, so, so it might look a little weird, but, um, for example, like let's say today, and this is, this is a true experience. So for my Airbnb, I had a, um, my water heater went out. And so I had to buy a new water heater system along with a water softener and the whole system cost me $4,000 and that hurt. But with my budget, I was able to see like, okay, so I'm, I'm adding this expense in here's how how much I need to make this month and probably next month to make up for this charge. Am I going to be able to cover it? And I was able to, so that, that was great. Uh, but because I had everything budgeted in place with what other expenses I already knew that I had, I was able to have that oversight and not just like swipe the credit card and hope for the best. Yeah. Um, so that, that's just, I, I think it's really important for people to, um, know how to do it. And I've been saying this for a while and I do intend to, by the end of 2022, it is my goal. I'm going to be launching a, um, budget coaching service to kind of help people. Cause a lot of people want to do this. They just struggle to get motivated mm -hmm. to build their budget out, or they just kind of get lost on where to start in general. So, um, hopefully by the end of this year, you know, follow along my journey and I will be launching like a coaching service to help people get started with that. But at the very least, you can go on my website and download my free template to help you get started on getting control of your finances. Perfect. Thank you again for everyone listening. 
Those links will be uh, in the show notes of the podcast. Thank you so much for sharing that information with us because I know it took you yeah. a lot of time and energy to learn about all these things. So I appreciate you, you know, sharing that with the masses for free. Um, yes. So we're going to direct people to your website and your blog. Um, that was, that's all the questions I had for you. I loved all of, you know, just how this conversation went. And I would love to know if you have anything else that you'd like to add. And then again, where can everyone, what are the best ways people can follow you and connect with you? Yeah, uh, the best ways that people can definitely connect with me are going to be on Instagram. I do have a website, which is where you can find my template, um, both the working remote template I mentioned earlier in the show and my free budget template, which is uh, wheretheroadforks.net. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm not going to lie, I'm not very active on my website, so you're going to see posts from like three years ago, dang near. <laughs> okay. I need to get better at it. Um, I'm kind of at this phase in my life where I'm still coming out of like, corporate America for 10 years that I'm like, I'm resting. I'm in my resting phase and I don't know how long that's going to take. So I'm kind of just enjoying the ride for now and occasionally making income through social media, but I'm just not pressuring myself to, um, to force myself to do content and blogging yes. and all the things, right. You know? Yes. Um, so with that being said, my blog looks a little blah, but I'm, okay. I'm fine with that. <laughs> totally fine. <laughs> totally fine. Um, so, yeah, so you can connect me on Instagram there. I'm also on TikTok, um, but I'm gonna, not going to lie. My TikTok is, like, kind of just for fun. I don't really, like, I, like, the things that I, I share that might be van life related, are, I'm already posting on my Instagram. So okay. um, if you want to see my, my TikTok lesbian thirst traps, I mean, you can come over to we TikTok. Do. But, we do. We uh, do want to see them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm more serious on my Instagram. <laughs> okay, that's that's good to know. Wow, is there anything that you would like want to leave people with? If you could just leave them with one message for this week or this month, yeah, what would that be? I'm gonna I'm gonna leave y'all with this. I think that fear is a very powerful emotion, and it can drive us or hold us back. And um, I think a lot of people who want to do van life, want to travel, or just really most of their goals in life are held back by fear. Um, and so when you're confronted with that fear, like, think of what what's the worst that can happen and, and honestly embrace it. And I know that that sound, might sound morbid, but for myself, with hitting the road, I was like, what's the worst that can happen? I die. Okay, I die. Yeah. I'm not going to not see the world with that fear in mind. I'm not going to live my life and die not seeing, you know, having fun. Yeah. Because to me, that's a worse death. That's a worse, you know, thing. So yeah. um, don't let fear hold you back from anything. Um, you know, em embrace the fear and embrace your, your journey. Beautiful. Thank you. Oh, my God. <laughs> Make the world a better place by leaving things better than I found it. You know, whether it be people or the planet or, you know, all kinds of things. Isn't there a quote that says, feel fear and do it anyways? Yeah. 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 So I think for us insignificance, we have to do it ourselves. A lot of people are doing things in their life that they're not completely happy with, mm -hmm. and they're doing it just because, you know, it's a norm, and they
they feel like they feel pressured by success in a way. Or they're just, you know, stuck in this rut. Mm-hmm. And, you know, ruts can be comfortable for people. And they can be very comfortable. Comfort is not how you, how you grow as a person. <laughs>